With a rash of highly publicized breaches this spring, Sony PlayStation, Epsilon, State of Texas Controller's Office, and RSA, the vulnerability of IT systems is on the minds of many, business and government leaders, consumers, and of course, the IT security practitioners charged with securing their organization's digital assets. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with one of those practitioners, Malcolm Harkins, Chief Information Security Officer at Chipmaker Intel. Welcome, Malcolm. Thank you. When you first hear about one of these breaches, what goes through your mind? When I hear about these breaches, I step back and I think of some fundamental things that we've tried to consider for ourselves. And, you know, to some extent, I firmly believe that almost under any compute model, compromise is inevitable. You really have to be prepared from a response perspective in incident management, whether it be an intrusion in your own network or a breach that you have to more broadly notify folks, and have those response incident processes very well figured out, planned, practiced, and and essentially ready to go. The Sony breach was very consumer-centric. Why should CISOs at a company like Intel or, for that matter, a bank, a hospital, government agency, or any other type of organization care? I think all we've got to do is look at the news. We've seen, certainly across the past few years, a wide variety of, of breach notifications or intrusions that have been reported in the press, spanning not only consumer companies, retail, government organizations, high-tech companies. We've had things, everything from, you know, lost backup tapes that occurred a few years ago that happened to hit some retailers, unsecured wireless access that allowed intruders to get into companies' environments. We've had incidents that a little over a year ago was called Operation Aurora. You know, Google came out publicly with it. Intel had disclosed in our financials that we had had an intrusion that was similar to that. We've had earlier this year a thing that was called Night Dragon that affected the oil and gas industry. We've had, you know, public statements from federal government, state government, universities. You can't look at it and just say, hey, this is a consumer thing, this is a federal government thing, you're in the defense industry, you're in the financial industry. It is very widespread. What's different about these breaches in the past months, past years, than, say, breaches that occurred six years ago, ten years ago? There's a big difference. If you go back six, seven, eight years ago, and you think back in the early 2000s and even the late 90s, there was breaches for gaining access to intellectual property and, and other information like that. But most of the things that were in the press, most of the things that were affecting most organizations were intrusions or attacks that were affecting availability. You were affecting my ability to use my compute resources. We saw that with Code Red and Nimda. We saw it with SQL Slammer. We saw it with Blaster and Nachi. And all those things from mid to late 90s into the 2003, 2004, even 2005 time period. What we've seen is a pretty dramatic shift. You know, those things and those denial of service attacks are still something that, that people need to worry about because they're not going to go away. And they haven't particularly as people have gotten online and their online business potentially could suffer a denial of service attack. But in the core environment, it has been really a big shift to those very subtle, very slow, very specific type of intrusions into systems that are slow enough that the users don't necessarily see an issue with it. If somebody's surfing the web and they click on a link or they get an email or an instant message or a chat, 
and they click on a link because it's an enticing thing or somebody is targeting them and it looks like something that they would be associated with. It could be an industry organization sending them an item. It could be a news organization. It could be coming from something that looks like a friend of theirs. And they click on the link and they don't know that malicious code is getting installed in their system. And data is getting exfiltrated, keystrokes are getting logged, their credentials are getting taken, and in some cases those intruders then leverage that system. And you don't have to be a, a high target individual, you could just be a, a regular employee in an organization and have that happen to you, and then the intruder would leverage your system and your credentials to escalate further privileges within your environment to then get to more targeted areas of sensitivity. Uh, let's look at some of the recent breaches and let's think about some of the lessons that you learned from them. Can you pinpoint several items in which you notice certain commonalities among these breaches and what you do or what other CISOs should do to prevent them from happening to your organization? I don't know that you can fully prevent them. And this is where I think the fact of the matter is it is a risk management issue. You can manage risk and mitigate risk, but you cannot eliminate risks. And so I think that's just one mindset that has to be changed. It's how do you manage the risk and how do you mitigate the risks such that to some extent you can live with some level of, of potential compromise because I think, as I said before, it will occur. There are a number of things that people can step back and, and really consider about how to approach this stuff when they think about managing those risks. I believe, and we shifted our strategy a few years ago towards the concept of people are the new perimeter. And it's because of mobility, it's because of interaction with third parties, it's because of social computing, it is because of all those things. And it's also because everybody, where they are at, what compute resources they're using at the time they're using it, is the point of compromise. I'm clicking on a link. Or a systems administrator in the IT organization doesn't patch a system or an IT engineer doesn't configure it properly from a security standpoint, or the developer of an application writes code that has some errors in it that then cause vulnerability. So you have to think of those people aspects of it, and even if you had completely secure systems, you could still have a incident because an individual shared too much information and maybe by mistake disclose some sensitive information that then causes a, a, an issue for a company. That, I think, is one key item. To focus on, on people as the new perimeter, is this more awareness training or something else? I think it's a combination of three things. One is the awareness training and the behavior you expect across all your users, including the developers of your systems and the people who administrate your systems in addition to your users. I think the second aspect is understanding the critical business processes and the critical most sensitive information assets that you want to protect and essentially understanding the business process controls that you want to put in those areas to protect that stuff. And then lastly is the technology solutions that the IT organization provides and those technology controls to prevent, detect, and respond to different incidents. And it's a combination of information technology 
and what the IT and the CISOs team does, coupled with an integration with business processes that are critical to the company, focused on the critical information assets, then coupled with the behavior that you want and those people and training and awareness aspects that span the user and folks in the IT organization. You're describing this, it made me think back to what you originally talked about was risk management. And you talk about maybe identifying critical information to safeguard. All organizations have limited assets to, to invest into this. So can you discuss a little bit about the idea of identifying certain elements to safeguard and others maybe not as much? At a general level, you need to have some level of a minimum security spec or minimum security standard across all of your systems. But then differentiated from that, you've got to look at which systems uh, and which information assets pose the highest risk and then determine how you want to manage that risk. And in some cases, it may be much, you, you can segment your network further. You can encrypt the data. You can have additional access controls. You can have detective controls for anomalous issues affecting that system. Much like you look at business continuity and disaster recovery, you know, in some situations where your availability risk for a certain thing is exceptionally high, because if, if the availability of uh, a certain system or capability goes down, maybe the company can't ship a product, in which case you might have a lot of redundancy there to mitigate availability risk. It's a similar thing in the, the protection from a confidentiality and integrity standpoint. You just have to look at how many layers of controls that you want, but also recognize sometimes the layers of controls around information constrain the use of the information. And if you constrain the use of the information too much, you may actually start destroying the value of the information because now you're impeding the business use of it. Are you surprised sometimes to hear that a lot of the files that are breached uh, aren't encrypted? No, I'm not. I'm a big fan of encryption. I believe that encryption is a good thing for certain data at certain points in time. But if you encrypted all your data, you wouldn't actually be able to scan it in order to check for viruses or malicious code. If you encrypted all your data, if you mess up, or you have another issue with, let's say, the encryption keys, you now can't unlock your data. So as much as encryption is a strong control and a benefit and should be placed around certain types of data at certain points in time, encrypting data is not uh, necessarily the only answer. Encryption of data can slow the usage of it. It can impede business processes. So it has to be appropriately applied at the point in time that you need to do it, whether it's in storage, in rest. If you're using the data, you really can't encrypt it in use. I interrupted you a few moments ago as you were going through other points. If you want to pick up on that. The other points that I was going to make was, as a part of the risk management philosophy, I also believe, and this is the thing that I worry about with all these breaches, is that companies and individuals and users start shying away from technology and start shying away from uh, the productive use of it. And I believe the best way to shape risk is to sometimes to run towards the riskier things. A security organization, I believe my mission at Intel, and I believe more broadly information security's mission in any organization, should be protecting to enable. 
Because if we're not enabling the use of the information, then the organization can't get the value. And so that's why I think it's a risk management thing. That's why I think there's a lot of balancing items. As much as organizations look to prevent the stuff, detection is a big area that they need to focus on. And certainly response needs to be a critical control to be prepared for what I think is inevitable in terms of potential breaches or intrusions into people's compute environments. When you discuss this with corporate executives at Intel, what kind of response do they give you? It is very positive response. I mean, there's always tension. Can we do more? Are we doing too much? It's a constant dialogue of balancing the business needs for collaboration, sharing usage of the information with the desires and needs to protect it. It's constantly trying to find the right controls that put us in a spot where we are creating enough openness and usage of information and uh, usage models and device types and sharing with third parties and collaborating and doing it in a way that provides us a level of comfort that we have done a decent job of preventing a number of things, detecting things when we haven't been able to prevent them, and then, to be honest, just being really good at our incident response and our uh, investigation such that we can mitigate an issue before it becomes too big or it becomes a significant event. But one of the things that we had shared and that we had talked about as a my organization and, and with uh, our, our staff as well was really kind of a set of, uh, you could call them kind of the laws of physics for uh, information security information systems. I, I think of them as irrefutable laws for information security. One is information wants to be free. People are going to post, share, and talk. It's human nature. That's why there's behavioral items you need to do. There's why detective items to see where um, people may have made mistakes and educate them further. But even if you locked everything down, you might still have a mistake that occurs because of that. The second one is code wants to be wrong. I don't think we're ever going to have 100% error-free code. It's not feasible unless you had a couple lines of code, in which case there's always going to be some potential for a vulnerability. Services want to be on those background processes that sometimes the IT organization has put in place to manage systems. Sometimes the users put in place because they want to get updated on the weather or news feeds or things like that. And, you know, if you're an intruder, those background services might be a good thing to go after because they do create a uh, essentially a trusted path to a system because the IT organization's deployed it or a user's deployed it, and they're not seeing all the things that are going on with it. Users want to click. I think we see that all the time. You're going to get an email. You're going to get an IM. You're going to visit a website. You might click on an ad. You know, that behavior pattern of uh, being enticed by something and clicking on it is exactly where most people are getting compromised. Finally, and this is my own paranoia to a large extent, is I still worry about even security features being turned for harm because of uh, kind of rules two, three, and four. Security features, to some extent, are made up of code. They certainly have background services, and users are going to click. So even with encryption or stuff like that, I worry about, and we do mitigation around, if our encryption capability was ever compromised, either by a malicious insider or an intruder, 
that would pose a very significant issue because you're now locked out of your systems or locked out of your data. So how do you mitigate that risk? Even those security controls need to be thought about in terms of what harm they can do. And then how do you manage to prevent, detect, and respond to those type of incidents as well? You're losing a little sleep over this? Yeah, sometimes I am. <laughs> it's just the nature, I think, of the, the world we live in. Given cybercrime, nation state, politically motivated intrusions and attacks, to some extent, it's a little bit of asymmetric. You're defending against multiple points that you have to, to think about, which is why you have to be very methodical in your thinking, but also very eclectic in your thinking about different intrusion scenarios, attack scenarios, different issues, and not just go sometimes with the obvious control because sometimes the obvious control, let me go block users from using social media because I'm afraid they're going to post something. Well, guess what? If you do that on your network, you haven't really solved that problem because they're going to pull out their handheld, that's their personal thing, and get onto the social computing sites anyways, or they'll do it at home. And what I worry about as a security organization is the controls we put in place. Are we driving actually more risky behavior because we're driving people around us versus trying to shape the usage and behavior and thinking about the user experience and guiding them to do the right thing. I talk with a lot of peers, and I see a lot of peers doing what I'd say, I'm going to block this. And I think blocking certain things will just drive people underground or around you, and you're getting a false sense of security versus putting in place a reasonably controlled environment that will drive the right balancing of that protecting and enablement. I find it very fascinating. Thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, you're welcome. It was great. I've been pleased to be speaking with Malcolm Harkins, Chief Information Security Officer at Intel for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.